Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy-to-assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch-resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com slash ACAST. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. The Guardian. There are thousands of children in armed groups in Democratic Republic of Congo. It is estimated over a third of them are girls, used mainly as domestic and sexual slaves, but sometimes as fighters too. I am one of them. You're hearing the voice of Carol Kahuma, who's recounting the experience of young girls from Eastern Democratic Republic of Congo who have, in one way or another, become child soldiers. For many of us, education was beyond our reach, but we fought life with an armed group who would at least offer us food, security and better opportunities. We were wrong. The stories of the young girls affected are harrowing, but unfortunately not that rare. I was alone. These are girls who, in one way or another, ended up in an armed group in the eastern parts of Democratic Republic of Congo. Sandra Olson works for Child Soldiers International, an organisation which, through both research and advocacy, looks to stop the use of children as soldiers. So there was a big concern in what what happened to these girls, where are they, how can we find them, and when we do find them, make sure that we actually, actually can help them. In 2017, Sandra worked on a report called What the Girls Say, which involved going to remote villages and talking to young people directly involved in armed groups. Even if we have all of these great guidelines, we still saw that there seemed to be some issues remaining, um, so we needed to find out why, and we thought the best way to do that would be to talk to the girls themselves. This is Small Changes, a podcast about how sometimes the seemingly smallest change can have the biggest impact. I'm Lucy Lamble. I did not accept anybody which was in the booth, and there's no any children in my position or in my camp. Uh, I cannot uh, fight with the children. Joseph Coney is the leader of the Lord's Resistance Army, a rebel group that has operated in several African countries, including the Democratic Republic of Congo. The LRA is notorious for abducting children to use as child soldiers and sex slaves. But Eastern DRC has been troubled by up to 70 armed groups, resulting in bursts of violence and a succession of humanitarian crises. 
we're talking about quite a a big area. We went to three different provinces, and DLC is a huge country, um, bigger than than Western Europe. Um, so we went to um, North and South Kivu, and Ouele, which is on the all the way up north, and it's bordering Uganda, it's bordering Central African Republic, it's bordering Rwanda and Burundi. As you can imagine, in a country that is larger than all of Western Europe, it's hard to reach everyone that's been affected by the fighting. Many of these girls live in very rural area. DRC is very rich. There's a lot of agriculture, there's a lot of forest, but most of them, yeah, mo- uh, lives in, in, in rather small rural villages. So how did you go about finding these girls? Most of them were introduced to us by our local partners. So Congolese organisations working in DRC with children. However, quite a few of them were also introduced to us by other girls. So we would meet a a group of girls and then we would ask them, do you know of um, other girls who've been with armed groups but who aren't here today uh, and who might not have been in contact with this organisation? Just give us a sense of scale. How many girls are actually affected? That is quite difficult to say, but um, in DRC, where there have been armed conflict for over 20 years now, unfortunately, there has been uh, about 40,000 children who has been released from armed groups during the past 10, 15 years. And we know that there are many, many thousands who are still with the armed groups. And we know that recruitment is ongoing. So we hear of every day of, of children joining on their own accord, but also being abducted. And only last year, 2017, there were 3,000 new cases of recruitment that were verified by the UN. And then we know that uh, there are so many more that haven't been verified yet. And of these children, how many of them are girls rather than boys? Well, the UN estimates that of all children in DRC who who are with armed groups, up to 40% uh, are girls in some groups. So it will vary between 30 and 40% and it will depend on the armed group. Often, when commentators talk about the plight of child soldiers, they paint the traditional picture of young boys carrying around guns and other weaponry that are nearly too big for their bodies. But little is spoken about what the young female child soldiers experience. Girls as boys are used in in, in various roles, so you've quite rarely join an armed group just to become a fighter. It's very common that you are used as a porter to carry looted, stolen goods. Um, You are used for domestic services, so to cook, to um, collect firewood, uh, steal crops to to sustain the group. Uh, And for girls and some boys, sexual services or sexual slavery is, is also very common. And most of the time you would have a combination of these. So you might uh, sometimes uh, help the group to fight, but you'd also prepare food, you'd care for uh, the babies of the group, and maybe you'll be forced to be somebody or several people's wives. You mentioned that some of the girls might have gone voluntarily. What might lead them to do that? That's simply because they grew up in a place where conflict has been prevailing for for a number of years, so you don't have a lot of opportunities. Services has been destroyed, schools have been destroyed, uh, families are poor. So for some children, joining an armed group can be the only way of securing food. Some might join for security to protect their, um, their family. 
some might join for revenge because another armed group in the area killed someone, some in their family or, or stole something from them. About a third of the girls that we met, so we met about 150, and uh, almost a third of them had joined more or less voluntarily. And a lot of them actually did so because they wanted to get some money to pay for school fees. Sandra travelled to talk to these young girls with another researcher and a Congolese translator. They were interested to talk to these girls in a group. And for those who were comfortable enough, they also held one-on-one interviews. We had some girls who who had actually been trained in combat, who participated uh, in the fighting. Many of the girls had to participate in looting, stealing, uh, because the group need to get food, uh, weapons, uh, abduct other children to sustain themselves sometimes. And we have very, very strong quotes from a lot of girls who say, for example, Lucky are those that only have one man. And um, they were telling us about they give us drugs so we don't get tired of them or using us. So, of course, sexual abuse is, is, is a very common and, and repeated experience for these girls. Quite interestingly, and which is not something that often come out when you speak to children who've been with armed groups, is the bad, bad conscience that these girls had when they thought back. The worst thing is the suffering we inflict on others, the thefts, the intimidation. I had to escape. So being sexually abused and being a part of fighting and seeing violent acts, that's sort of normal. We hear that all the time. But the fact that the girls were really suffering, they were really, really ashamed that they had to steal from others to survive, that came out very strong. And that's something that I don't think is very common. After the break, we'll talk about some of the ways in which organisations like Sandra's and the UN are trying to make it easier for these girls to settle back into normal life, and why sometimes even this is a challenge. Unfortunately, many of them met a community or even a close, the closest family who then said, we don't trust you anymore. And all of this is founded upon the belief that these girls have lost their social value by being with men. We'll be right back. 
whether it's TV, whether it's Netflix, we're surrounded by choice. And obviously choice is essentially a good thing and we all want choices. But I think there comes a point with anything where there's a tipping point in which it can actually be paralyzing. And we peer into the future with linguist Christina Dalcher, who imagines a world where women are restricted to just 100 words a day in her action-packed debut novel, Vox. There's something awful, awful and terrifying about the idea of wearing this wristband that pulses every time you say a word, that shows you the number of words you've spoken. I've got five more words. There's something very ominous, very chilling about that. That's all in the Guardian Books podcast. Welcome back to Small Changes. I'm Lucy Lamble. Before the break, we heard from Sandra Olson of Child Soldiers International, who explained the plight of thousands of young girls in the Democratic Republic of Congo, who have either decided to join or been abducted by armed groups in the area. For many of the girls who manage to escape or are freed, it isn't as easy as just being welcomed back with open arms. My aunt refused to take me back. No one would talk to me. Lots of families won't accept girls like us. All of this is founded upon the belief that these girls have lost their social value by being with men. There was even one case where a young girl, her grandmother was about to get abducted by the armed group and the girl said, please take me instead. And she was 13 or 14 at the time. And even when that girl managed to escape and she came home to her grandmother, the grandmother herself had troubles, didn't want to, to let her in her house. So that shows the, the sort of complexity in how these girls are greeted when they come back home. The United Nations has implemented a process by which members of armed groups not only put down their weapons, but have the chance to try and reintegrate back into society. As Sandra explains, it's not an easy task. Of the girls that we spoke to, um, so I should mention that over a third did never get any support at all. About 70 did, but quite a big group of the ones who actually received something uh, often got economic reintegration and for a lot of reasons those trainings didn't work for the majority of the girls who did get them and they didn't work because of lack of funding or funding running out in the middle. Uh, most of these girls were illiterate so learning how to sew is fine but then if you can't count uh, or read or write your client's names, uh, how are you going to make a living? If you don't know how to do your books and you know write up what you earn and what things cost, it's not going to work. So what did they tell you would be useful for them? Most of the girls told us about how much they wanted somebody to talk to. Uh, some of them even said that this today, meaning when we met them, was the first time they've ever talked to anyone about their time in the armed group, or the first time anyone's ever asked them how are you doing? Are you okay after what's happened? And the few girls that we met who've actually had um, somebody to talk to said how incredibly helpful that had been and even said, had I not had this person to talk to, I would have gone back to the bush by now. As is the case in so many similar situations around the world, the one thing that the girls want more than anything is the opportunity to receive an education. We went to an area in South Kivu um, 
we talked to the elders in this area and we asked them is there any way you would marry your son to any of these girls all of them said no and then we started we said okay but what if she had two cows mm, not sure what if she had uh, four cows which is the dowry in that area then one of them said uh, okay yeah i'll allow my son to marry her but there were still three other elders who who said mm, no still not sure And then we asked, what if she went to school and had her diploma? And then all of them said, yeah, then I'll let my son marry this girl. So after weeks of talking to these girls, Sandra and the team left, wrote up a short analysis of what they'd heard, and they then met with the local organisations who work with the girls on a day-to-day basis. They brainstormed as to how to put the girls' own suggestions into practice. We actually started uh, some some small projects for the girls who participated in the research. So, for example, is school really this amazing uh, way of, of of regaining your your so-called lost social value? So, we put girls in into literacy and, and numeracy classes for the ones who who'd never been to school, um, and we put girls who who had left school a couple of years ago back into school. When we first met them, their sort of main wish was, I just want the community to understand that I'm a girl just like any other girl. And thanks to school, many of these girls are now just normal school girls. Despite this achievement, Sandra knows from simply listening to the girls that there's still a lot of work to do. Another problem, uh, which is quite common in these support programmes for children who've been with armed groups, is that it's often quite short term. Even if we know very well that reintegration and sort of adapting back home is a process. It doesn't take three months, it will take a couple of years and you need a sort of regular follow-up during that time. Not every week or every month, but you need somebody who checks in on you. So I, I think that was very important for us as well to commit to it at a minimum of three years and I, I hope we can support them for longer than that. If you liked this episode, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and drop me a line at podcasts at theguardian.com. There will be a link to Charles Soldiers International on this week's episode description on The Guardian website. This episode of Small Changes was produced by Danielle Stevens and Gabriella Jones. I'm Lucy Lamble. Thanks for listening. For more great podcasts from The Guardian, just go to theguardian.com slash podcasts. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.